The curious case of Benjamin Button sees David Fincher move away from intense thrillers and into a more sentimental story of a unique man's life. Yes, it's the one about the guy who ages backwards. So let's start at the end. I'm just kidding, we'll start at the start. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Did you know I was struck by lightning seven times? Oh, I only knew about six. That's surprising, actually. Yeah. Seven. The seventh was uh, just yesterday, actually. Uh, yeah. That explains yeah. how you look. Uh, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the movie podcast. We're working our way through David Fincher's filmography. Obviously, we'll be doing his new film, The Killer, uh, when it hits. But we are on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So this, this comes in after a bunch of things. Obviously, we did seven. We did uh, fake. No, the game. We did that on Patreon, mm. and then we did Fight yep. Club, we did Panic Room, and we did Zodiac. So yep. this is what sixth movie. Obviously, for those eagle-eyed among you, you'll notice there was no Alien Three in there. That's because <laughs> we skipped that because it was already done the Sci-Fi podcast, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Go check it out. Mm. Uh, but yes, so we're on the oddity of Fincher's filmography, the one that doesn't quite feel really like a David Fincher movie. It looks like no. a David Fincher movie at times, but I, I wouldn't say the premise or the, the tone feels very Finchery. so we'll get into all that mm-hmm. uh, as we go. The basic premise, of course, is that it's about a man who ages backwards. He's born an old man, uh, he's played by Brad Pitt, and he gets younger as the story progresses, and it's told throughout, you know, a big his entire lifespan really he starts yeah. in 1918 and keeps going until the, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So that is the basic gist of it. We'll start spoiler free, of course, as we always do, yes. and we'll get into things. So uh, before we say how we feel about the movie, I'll just uh, point out that this is I saw it when it came out. I saw it in theaters, and okay. this is the first time I've seen it since then. Had you seen this before? I definitely turned it on at some point. However, just watching back the first five minutes of this movie, nothing seemed familiar. Mm. So it, it's essentially been wiped from my memory if I had actually watched anything consistent of it. I mean, I had for, I mean, this is 2008, so this is, what, six, 15 years ago. And yes. I like obviously remembered a couple of key moments, but to be honest, there were so many actors in this that I know mm. quite well now that I don't think I did at the time and did not know that Mahershala Ali was in this. I didn't know that right. Tajara P. Henson was in this. There was mm. all, so many faces that have become bigger names since this that uh, that stuck out to me. But um, mm. yeah, I, I'd forgotten most of it beyond just the broad strokes. Yeah, I was going to say, it was, it was a very, when it came out, it was a very widely received movie i think i think it was something that kind of did hit the cultural zeitgeist a little bit not in that anybody really was talking about the movie itself it was all just about the concept of it to the point where nowadays you could just say like oh yeah he benjamin buttons and you just know what that means yeah it just means going backwards a bit or aging backwards but right. you can kind of apply it to almost anything going back. like if memento would come out after benjamin button people mm-hmm. would have said the plot benjamin buttons <laughs> yeah people might have said it's like, that oh yeah it's, it's, like, it's just like benjamin button you know on its own thing uh yeah so uh, yeah i guess we'll get into it david how did you feel about the curious case of benjamin button i i don't even 
<laughs> I don't really even know yet. Like, that's the you, thing. You, is, you've not even finished your sentence, and I'm just laughing because I, I can see the hesitation in your yeah, face, and you're struggling I, to answer. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, and that is that is not controversial, I feel like. It is a very well-made film, but I think that the biggest issue I have with it is that it is a philosophical art piece before it is a plot. It is something where it has this idea that it wants to ruminate on what does it mean to live? What does it mean to age? What does it mean to find love? And all these different things. And they have characters just fully spouting these philosophical viewpoints. And it's very well done. It's very well made. But each of those scenes is essentially just a vacuum within itself. And by the time you get to the next point in his life, it barely matters what he did before that. So I don't think it does a good job of really having a cohesive plot where I feel like I am watching the life of a man completely step by step, seeing how earlier actions impact his later actions and so on. But I do feel as though the movie does have a deeper overall message that it was trying to get across, and it does, for the most part, land. So how do I feel about it? It's complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I. There's so much to talk about, and you know, I'll, I'll give you know in-depth, nuanced thoughts on mm. about every facet that I can possibly think to talk about. But I'll just I'll get the the blatant blunt statement out the way right right at the get go is that I was extremely bored watching this two hours and forty six minute movie. Yeah, it drags on. It's overly sentimental. There's a lot of Forrest Gump in this bitch. Yeah, right? but like not it's it's worse than Forrest Gump even because Forrest Gump at least flirted with comedy every once in a while. This is <laughs> sure. just harsh drama the whole way. Sentimental drama as well. Mm. Uh, more more to the point, it's so sentimental. And one of the things you said there actually clicked something else in my brain is you were saying how it feels all like all the bits are kind of individual. And yeah, obviously there's a running romantic part that's sort of a through line right. through it, but. Something you said clicked in my brain there. Something that I've all... Another movie that I've always kind of been a little air on um, is Boyhood. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Boyhood. Mm. But yeah. Boyhood is a movie about just this young man who, from his early childhood to till the age he's 18. But the gimmick of the movie is that they actually shot it in chunks every few years with the same actor as he was growing up. So when you watch the movie, it's this same actor when he's a kid, same actor when he's, a, he's, you know, he's in his preteens and a teenager, and then as he's sort of turning into a man at the end... And my big thing with that movie is that after I, I saw it, I was like, well, if you take out the gimmick that it's the same kid growing up and the way they shot it, does it offer much on its own? Right. And I think I want to pose the same question about this movie, is that if yeah. you take out the gimmick of the main character aging backwards, which don't get me wrong, it does lend itself to all the philosophical musings about growing old and what that means. Obviously, that mm -hmm. all comes from that. But if you take out that, and you still just have the plot of this romance that kind of is on and off again and all the little adventures he goes on and getting involved mm -hmm. in the war and whatever else. Does it fundamentally change the, the story of the movie? And I'm not sure that it does. I agree. I think that the gimmick is within itself just there for the sake of if we told this story straight up and i will say it is based off of a collection of like short stories i think mm -hmm. written by f scott fitzgerald it is based off something it isn't just wholesale new uh creation but 
if you take out this concept of him aging backwards, you're left with just kind of a vague life of Benjamin Button. And I say that because this movie, at least in my opinion, is extremely front-loaded. We spend a lot of time with old Benjamin Button in terms of him looking old. Mm. And it just, like, by a certain point, it's an hour into the movie, he still looks like he's 70. And I'm like, dude, just start aging backwards already. I'm I'm sick of all this prelude and backstory here. I mean, I get it, because that would be the hardest part of his life and, like, realizing what his life is and what's right. happening. Because, obviously, he's not going to know immediately that he's aging backwards. That's something that kind of comes very gradually over mm-hmm. over time as he starts to notice, hey... I'm getting stronger. Uh, you know, my my eyesight's getting better. All all these little things that you're starting to pick up on. My hair's like like yeah. multiplying instead of falling out. <laughs> like things yeah. like that. Um yeah, I I think that, and that's the other thing that we have a problem here I think with this movie is that fundamentally you have a concept that has to rely on a lot of old age makeup for a lot of different actors. Um mm-hmm. CG as well, mm, nah. p- particularly on Brad Pitt. Uh, to really try and get away with this idea that it's really him who's really old or really young, depending mm-hmm. on which part of the movie you're at. And But even a lot of the other actors, because we're going through such a span of time, you've got you know actors who are in their 20s for the start of the movie, but they're still there decades later. So you have them with the grey in the hair and some wrinkles mm-hmm. and whatever. And just there's something that most of the time, not always, I'm not saying there's never been good examples of it, but for the most part... When actors pretend to be old and they put on this voice, and Brad Pitt himself is guilty of this for a lot of this movie, <laughs> is they do this old person voice and it just sounds so phony. And inherently, the, the gimmick of the movie is taking me out of the movie because all I'm seeing is an actor probably enjoying the fact that he's getting to do this real complex role because he's mm-hmm. got this unique life and circumstance. But. I'm still looking at an actor with some CG in his face and some makeup putting on an old man voice. And yeah. fundamentally, there's just a, a, a disconnect that I'm never going to get over where I'm like, this is just all a bit silly. Like, I get the points you're trying to make and I get that, that there is these great philosophical ideas about life and death. Death especially. Like, that's a running mm-hmm. theme throughout the whole thing. I mean, you've literally created a character who's life is counting down to death like unlike other people who don't know when they're going to die right he kind of has an egg timer going yeah. where you can sort of like oh well once he gets to about five you're like well he's got about five years left doesn't he and it's up oh, yeah. he's got three years left he's got oh now he's a baby it could be any day now um the mo the moment he is no longer able to grow facial hair he's like well this is it my twilight <laughs> years it's like shit <laughs> And obviously, yeah, there's there's some dramatic ironies that come out of the concept. But mm. again, if you remove that gimmicky part of it, right, and you just look at it as, no, no, it's this story of this man's life and how he got involved with the war at one point and what he did and his more adventurous years, his first experiences with certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the, the, the core parts of the story, which are about repeating the mistakes of your parents and all mm. that stuff, like... All that still applies if you were just telling this about a regular guy who was just, you know, just someone who was orphaned yeah. and I th- grew up in this unique location and that was it. I think there are two things that really need to be covered here. And that is, first and foremost, we're saying what happens if you remove this gimmick? Is it still a good story? But 
the movie kind of leans into the gimmick, especially in that first part, because every oh, single yeah. time it wants to show you like, hey, look how much effort we put into this CGI. Look how much we put into getting old Brad Pitt. And I got to be honest, we'll get to it. It's not usually that great. No, no, it, it varies from time to time. Obviously, as he gets close to his real age, they mm-hmm. just sort of let it be. And it's like, oh, well, they also do. Yeah, they just uh, do makeup at yeah. a certain point. Um, um, but, but then the, the second thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of what this movie really like, what we need to focus on with it is that when it comes time for all of the like middle of the movie stuff, the entire gimmick just goes out the window because he's at his age like he's grown up he's already an adult it's the same sort of thing of like you have all of these major milestones in your life when you're you know 5 10 15 such like that but by the time you hit like 30 you've got maybe two more major milestones left in your entire life so it doesn't matter whether you're going forward or backwards it's just the same thing so at that point the gimmick's essentially gone from the movie and it's all relying on this core romance that they've built up. Yeah, which is kind of the point in a lot of ways, is that, yeah, it's basically just the same, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it does kind of... It, it, it also leaves me feeling, like you say, it front loads so much, like there's so much time spent early on with these early years, and I get why, but mm-hmm. there's times when I was looking at the clock and going, holy shit, there's two hours of this movie left. How is there yeah. still two hours left? And obviously, if I was super into it, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't be looking at the time. But mm-hmm. I was not super into it. And part of that is the tone. Part of that is the sentimental and the, what? you know, the, the New Orleans accent doing the narration of, like, you know, I never knew my daddy or my mama, but, you know. <laughs> but if I did, she'd say that life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, part of that's just a taste thing. And I can't really hold it against the movie too much. Uh, but it is super sentimental and it does go mm. through all these things like it's trying to be this I don't know statement on existence this this just this right. t- tone poem of the whole thing was uh, it was, I can't remember who made it that movie Tree of Life oh it's Terrence, Terrence Malick Terrence Malick that's the same there's kind of the same sort of vibe I was feeling in terms of it just has these big grand ideas about existence as a whole and well, it's just trying to put him out in terms of movie. It's just that Fincher's is far more grounded and attempts to have a plot. That's the thing. That's why I keep it more to Forrest Gump, because it reminds me more of something like that. Because, nah. well, I get what you're saying about it being this, but Terrence Malick's films are more literally just tone poems. Like, they are, like, these beautiful, serene cinematography, like, you know, t- mm-hmm. Tree of Life, or any, any complaints anyone wants to give that movie about not having a plot, like almost every frame of it's gorgeous and oh, yeah. you know it looks better than this film does and that's mm-hmm. just because that's that's like the key strength there is the whole thing's meant to be this visual poem mm-hmm. here this is still trying to operate under the guise of this is a regular movie with characters with 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 uh with progression with momentum with all these things right. and you know i it does, it, you know, the, the idea that it's based on a series of short stories, I thought it was just one short story. If it's a series of short stories, all of a sudden, all these different sort of connected parts of the plot suddenly make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was published over several periodicals. I could be wrong about that, but I will check on it. You, you can double check that. But I, 
Yeah, because you know, because you, you go through sections, and there's you know, there's like, there was a moment in the middle of the movie where I'm like, okay, I'm in the Tilda Swinton section, and we're, you know, we're we're doing this part right. of the plot, uh, and I I just I never quite connected with anything going on. I was never really all that engrossed in it, and fundamentally, mm-hmm. the movie just isn't for me at a certain level, and I think I have to accept that. But then, is there other things that I want to critique on top of that? There probably is, <laughs> right? But... Yeah, I mean, for sure, for me is. Um, so just checking on it, uh, it was published in a magazine, but it was just all at once. It was one short okay. story. So yeah, it was just one thing. But I, I agree with you in that it does have some issues in the story. I think for me, when I think back on my own life, I can see how different things impact each other. I can see how the period of my life that we'll say is the equivalent to the Tilda Swinton period, <laughs> like whatever that may apply to, I can see how anything that would have happened there influences the decisions and the things I do even today. It it has ch- it's altered me. It has made an impact in my life and made me do things differently. I never got that vibe from this movie. I always felt like every single section of his life just kind of stood on its own and the character of Benjamin Button was essentially unchanging the whole way through. Yes, he aged back, but like mentally he seemed like he was the same at the entire point yeah, throughout he didn't, this movie. He never yeah, he wasn't never he really felt like he was growing. He felt like he was mm-hmm. just this sort of blank avatar to have all these first experiences and that was right. kind of it. Yeah. Uh, it never felt like he he thought one thing, had his mind changed over time and like had like a you know, I don't want to say an arc because it was definitely. Obviously, he makes some big decisions later on in the movie, but mm-hmm. it never feels like we build up to them. It's more just he's suddenly thrust into a new situation and he has to react accordingly. Yeah. But it was funny about what you were just in there, though, about how you know the one portion of your life clearly impacts and like puts you on a trajectory or changes your mind about how you think about certain things or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Is I agree with what you're saying, but what's funny about that is that the movie does kind of try to bring up those ideas. There's a, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a whole segment where Button's narrating and he talks about all these little things around an event that basically, if any of these little things didn't happen, this thing that happened at the end of the scene wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And But it's all very much just in that vacuum of that one incident, right. as opposed to his entire life should feel like that. It should feel like, no, no, if, if this woman hadn't found him and decided to care for him, then he wouldn't have been here and he wouldn't have done this and he wouldn't have went to that. And he wouldn't, yeah. you know, it's, it's That's on. where I kind of wanted it to feel a bit more like Forrest Gump in that Forrest, everything he did throughout the movie had that level of, it felt like it was kind of feeding into the next thing. It felt like he did this, so therefore he ended up in this location and it just kept going down that path. This one was the exact opposite in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen Forrest Gump in a long time, so I don't want to confidently say if I'd like it more than this. I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't like it that much, but Sorry. based on this viewing, I'd say Forrest Gump's got a good chance of being the one I like more. <laughs> yeah. Just, just based mean, on this alone. <laughs> having watched Forrest Gump definitely within the past five years, for sure, I definitely prefer the memory of it than I did this movie less than a week ago. <laughs> so yeah we should probably run down the cast and i mean we've mentioned yeah, a few of them yeah. but obviously we get brad pitt as benjamin bunn mm-hmm. uh we have kate blanchett as daisy who is the main love interest over the course yep. of the film uh we have tilda swinton as kind of a, a fling shall we say mm-hmm. uh during the film i i would say it's the first love that's the like not the childhood love that uh daisy represents but the first like mature relationship he was in 
Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. say first love, but I get what you're saying with that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, interestingly, we have Elias Kateas back from Zodiac. In a, I know. An interesting little role. It's only just it's like a little standalone segment at the start of the movie, but we'll talk about that in spoilers, what that mm-hmm. is exactly. Um, uh, like I said, Mahershala Ali and Tajara P. Henson were both in there, which were surprising. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you had uh, Jared Harris popping up as an Irish tugboat yeah. man. I enjoyed him. He was he was fun the whole way through. Uh, so yeah, Jason Fleming, who I don't know as well. I've definitely seen him in things, but he's he plays Benjamin Button's father uh, mm-hmm. in this. But uh, it's a big cast, though. There's definitely a lot of other names that I'm probably not mentioning, but those those seem like the the, the prominent ones to mention. Uh, yeah. Throughout. Yeah, I'm not recognizing anybody who's huge. Um, we do have a framing device in this movie. We Which do. Is, well, it's more than the framing yeah. device because we come back to it constantly throughout right, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which um, is basically yeah, yeah. Daisy's character is, you know, like 90 or <laughs> whatever yeah. she is. Um, I mean, yeah, I could probably work it out, but she must be in her, at least in her 80s, but she might be 90. Uh, but she's mm. in a hospital bed in her last days and she's with her, her adult daughter, who's, you know, in her 40s or whatever. And she asks her adult daughter to read her this journal that she has in like a bag near the bed. And the daughter pulls it out and it turns out to be the journal of Benjamin Button. And basically that's the device that tells us the whole movie. It's it's her reading from this journal. And that's that's his life. Yeah. So, again, I don't really want to get into the spoilers of it. But like, you know what would have really helped at any given point? Seeing him write this journal. (laughs) <laughs> like he never at any point i don't think he ever writes in this movie like even once on camera yet he's got all these journals these postcards these incredible things that he's sent over to daisy and it's like oh maybe we should have seen that so this framing device felt like it had some like actual real link to it <laughs> uh i'm not too fussed about that i mean it maybe made sense to see him at least start writing that because it didn't necessarily sound like it was something he was writing as he was going, because at one point he says that he'd forgotten someone's name, so it sounds like mm. something that he's written in one big chunk, Yeah, you know, later on, you know. His memoirs. Yeah, pro- pro- it's, it's obvious if you've seen the movie, I don't want to spoil it, but it's obvious mm. what point he probably wrote it all at, but um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I, I always remembered this being kind of the weird, like, out-of-place movie in Finchel's filmography. But oh, watching yeah. it again, and because I I, th- I thought I liked it more than a couple of the other films, still, even though I wasn't necessarily in love with it or thought it was for me. But mm-hmm. honestly, watching it again, I'm like, nah, Alien Three is better. I'd rather watch that again. Wow, all right. I'd I'd rather watch Fight Club again, and I don't like Fight Club that much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's out of all the Fincher movies that I've seen, and mind you, there's a couple towards the end of his career that we have not, or I have yeah. not actually watched yet. This is the weakest for me not in that again i don't think it's a poorly made film no it's just so not in his wheelhouse and i i'm totally understanding of him wanting to branch out he had this concept for it he run to run for it he spent two hours and 45 minutes doing it but (laughs) it just didn't work at least in my opinion it just it wasn't quite there no it doesn't work for me either and i i think it yeah like I don't think it's the yeah, like you say, it's not the weakest made out of his movies so far. 
necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't even know which one I would call the weakest made necessarily, but I mean, for me, I would probably say the game is rivaling it just because it feels like it had such less planning behind it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the game is definitely the other one that I don't like that much, but. Mm. It's about an hour shorter than this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair. So if I'm watching one of them again, I'm picking the game. <laughs> yeah. This this definitely felt to me like one... Because it was 2008. It was before every single movie was three hours long. But we were definitely in that period of time where if you wanted to get the feeling of an epic, a, a huge mm. story being told, it did have to push that limit of three hours. Because this was around the same time of like... Uh, Dark Knight and stuff like that pushing a little bit longer but it was met with such critical praise and all that yeah I think one of the big things for me is I never really was found myself caring or rooting for the character I, I think that's a yeah. big problem with this is that it's, it doesn't give me a character who has these problems that he has to overcome instead yeah. I mean obviously yeah he has like the the living day by day problems he has to overcome because he's, he's born as an old man and he's sort of struggling with that mm. but it never really gives like something that he's trying to achieve all that much. I mean, other than maybe like the main romance thing, but even that's only for a small segment of the movie. You know, yeah. There's a lot of the movie goes by where he's just kind of not caring about that, and then you know whatever. But it just it never feels like I get invested where I'm rooting for him and I care about the outcome to something. And I think mm-hmm. this sentimental we're reading the letters of the olden days and letting the story play out. I just I don't think I'm super into that as a as a device in general. I think it's not a big deal in other movies where I still end up liking the movie because ultimately it's just a little framing device at the start and the end. But then there's other ones where I feel like when they rely on it really heavily, there's almost this kind of like because we're looking at the past with nostalgia and we're just going through the journey of someone's life. We're just sort of like meant to care because of that, as opposed to no no give me stakes, give me a reason to care and give me a reason to like think that they might not succeed in what they're doing and want them to succeed mm-hmm. and i never felt that with this movie and i think movies that are like this i probably tend to not like that much or at the very least like the the the, the bar is it much higher for the movie to jump over yeah. to to make it work for me and yeah you know so when it, when it's when it's got no driving plot no goal that the character's yearning for you really have to say something powerful you really have to have a message that you're clearly trying to get across just in terms of the artistry but like we've said it's kind of a scattershot of philosophy as a whole it deals with a whole bunch of different messages and never really settles down on one core here is how the benjamin button lifestyle needs to be lived Uh, yeah i mean i think i definitely like some pure art house movies that are Mm -hmm. more extreme in that sense but i think what makes them work is that the style is so unique and so strong in the ones that I like that sort of deconstructing what the movie's saying to me is the is the engaging part, is the part right. that I'm into and I'm enjoying the visuals and I'm, I'm seeing what it's presenting to me. This movie is still very conventional. For everything you just said about this being this philosophical scattershot of, a, of an idea, it still just plays out like a really normal Hollywood, and I'll just say it, yeah. awards bait movie like it, yeah. it, you know it's the we're going to go back to the past we're going to talk about you know it's the end of the great war and this is when the story <laughs> starts it still is very very conventional in how it actually tells its story all of the yeah. tools that it uses are all typical hollywood 101 
And as a result, if you're going to be more normal, then you have to have the more conventional driving force of a, of a story to yeah. make me get into it. See, that was, you said perfectly there of once you're done watching an art house movie, it's part of the enjoyment of it is trying to piece through what it was trying to tell you. Once I was done with this movie, I, I started to do that. I was like, oh, okay, what was the real overarching message that Fincher was trying to get across here? What is the, what is the point of it? And as I sat with that and I thought about it, I got more and more frustrated because I realized there really isn't one. There isn't one message that's really trying to come across here outside of, hey, ain't life kooky like that? Like, that's the gist of it for the most part. <laughs> I think th there's the idea of, like, fearing of death, obviously, and getting old and trying to, mm -hmm. like, struggle with those, those ideas. Like, th th there's definitely themes. Like, the movie absolutely has themes right. that it's playing with. But fundamentally, I think the reason why it feels like, at least to us clearly, that it doesn't have enough of a strong core idea to really, like, say, this is the mission statement of the movie, is mm -hmm. because it's a movie where someone said, let's make a, a story. And obviously it's based on a, a short story, so they looked at that and said, yes, yeah, is a great idea. Let's make this story about a, a person who ages backwards. And it mm -hmm. all, all I can hear... In my head is Ian Malcolm saying, you are too preoccupied with whether or not you could, you never stop to wonder if you should. And yeah, that that's to me, that's the movie. To me, it's like, we wanted to see if we could do this and we could pull it off. And in 2008, I remember it feeling like it was relatively convincing. It's aged a bit. There's definitely moments where you can see the uncanny valley and like yeah. the, you know, the, the CG face or, you know, sometimes when people are at and some what's funny is that it's not even always brad pitt sometimes it's just the other actors in old age makeup that make me go uh like this is an actor pretending right. to be old yeah uh, it's the more conventional part of it that, that, that trips up sometimes uh and fundamentally it just makes me wonder like is this really a good idea for a movie because all i'm seeing is you constantly having to try and hide the truth and I suppose in a lot of ways that's what movies are, but I really feel it with this because you're just constantly f battling the truth of who the actors are. I think this movie, maybe not with the exact same script, but I think this movie would have been a fantastic animated film where you don't oh. have to worry about the actors not looking correct. You don't have to worry about the uh, uncanny valley as we were talking about before. And you don't have this idea of, I'm just looking at old Brad Pitt because the character himself is just a model that changes over time. So I think animation-wise, I would have been the better way okay. to go here. But I do think that even with that, it's not enough to fix the core problems in terms of pacing and plot with the movie as well. Because, I mean, we, we've mildly said it before, but I'm going to straight up here. There is no reason for this movie to be two hours and 46 minutes long. No, no. That this movie should not be over two hours. So uh, no. right away, forty six minutes. I don't know where you cut them exactly without thinking about it, but you need to cut forty six minutes somehow. You can cut at least twenty in the first. He's old section <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh dear, Joe is so sad. Is that, that there's 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 a couple of good little individual moments where it even shows more style, and I, mm. I kind of like if you leaned more into this, I would have been into it and. I, I could have, like, maybe gotten something more out of, like... I mean, okay, let's just say spoilers, yeah. right? I, I just don't want, right. To, I want to talk about... I want to talk about the... Effectively, the short film that plays near the start. Yeah. Uh, 
which is where Elias Kateas shows up. And it's a story uh, during World War One, just before Brad Pitt's character, Benjamin Button, is born, right? It's in that mm-hmm. few years before then. Um, but it's the very same year, actually, now I'm thinking about it, because it's the end of the, the war. Um, yep. So he's this clockmaker. He's blind. He's a blind clockmaker. And he's got a wife, and they have a son, and he's sent away to war. And we see them leaving. And this is all shot in, you know, it's, it's got the old silent movie look to it where there's a lot of flickering, a lot of grain, mm. um, you know, it's, it's sepia toned, all the rest of it. They're going full hog on that sort of, that mood, right? And I'm like, yeah. okay, this has got some style. I, I'm liking that the atmosphere this is kind of creating. And the story here is that the son dies in war. They only get his body back in a, in a box. And the entire time he was away, the clockmaker was working on this big clock for the new train station that was being built in the city. And he finishes the clock after his son's back, uh, you know, his dead body's back. And Mm -hmm. when they unveil the clock at the train station, everyone's confused because it's going backwards. And he says he did that intentionally because maybe then his son and everyone else's sons who went away and died could come back. Mm -hmm. And... I thought on its own as a little short film. I was like, oh, that's just a neat little short film. And it's got a nice little idea. And I I almost wondered if you, like, not that I wanted it to become this thing where, like, oh, we're tracking down the mystical origins of why Benjamin Button happened. And is it tied to this clock? Was the will of this watchmaker or this clockmaker so strong that his energies, like, shot into this, this pregnant woman across the town and she gave birth to a man who's going to age backwards? Like, I'm not saying I wanted that, but if you are going to compare it to something like, I say, a David Lynch, and mm. I'm looking at symbolism and stuff, like, I wanted to be thinking about this clock. I wanted to be thinking about how this is, like, oh, thematically yeah. relevant to the story. And the truth is, is that for the most part, it's just the clock's eventually taken down around the same time that Benjamin Button's dying. And yeah. so it's kind of symbolic in that sense, is that he was alive as this clock was alive and whatever. But I, I just, I felt like the the mood and tone from this little story at the start was so nice and mm-hmm. put me in such a good mood. That... Yeah, no, it, it, it would have been perfect because they play it not as a story, but as something that is true. It is a thing that you could go to this place and there is a clock ticking backwards. I don't know if it's actually true, but... I doubt it. it... I feel like people would just want it fixed. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. But that's the sort of thing where in the realm of the movie, it is this true thing that happened. I think that that would have been a much better, not framing device, but just little thing that keeps coming back every once in a while. Like, this is a train station in New Orleans, and, like, Benjamin Button just keeps on going here every once in a while. We keep on seeing him kind of relating to this clock ticking backwards or something. It would have been a great, just repeated notion of, hey, here's this thing that he can relate to. Instead, the one we got, which we'll get to much later, is Hummingbirds because they're able to fly backwards and they're the only birds that can do that. And I just, it's nowhere near as strong as the one they had at the beginning of the movie that they just threw away. Even just one scene where he, you know, he's contemplating life or something and he goes to the train station and maybe Kate Blanchett comes uh, and like sees Mm -hmm. him sitting there on a bench at the train station says, why did you come here? And maybe he says, because every so often I come and look at this clock because it, you know, it goes yeah. backwards. Like, it's, it's the only thing on the planet that I can relate to is this stupid yeah. clock. And have, have him say something. I don't know, like, t- talk about that or something. I don't know. Have um, him get upset for once in his entire life. I know. <laughs> he doesn't get angry the whole movie. He doesn't really get, I mean, I guess, a little sad looking, I suppose. But there's, there's not a whole lot of emoting 
no. from the character, and I think that's something that would would have been nice. I, you know, I just I think the symbolism of the clock was quite interesting at the start, and then mm-hmm. you know the movie even ends in a shot of this clock and like a warehouse after it's been taken down, still ticking mm-hmm. backwards, and I'm just kind of like, oh, that's nice and all, but. Like I really wish this motif had been like a more prominent part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, and because the the whole worry is the movie's going on. Well, particularly in the second half, once he's actually with Kate Blanchett and all that, is mm-hmm. that she's starting to get concerned that she's getting old and that she's yeah. getting wrinkles and he's not. Um, and it's her worry to to have that. Um, and it's like okay, this is a tr- which actually right. So let, let's rewind right. Let's go back okay. to the start of the movie right before we get or ahead. the end of the movie. <laughs> before we get ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. because I, I do I, I want to talk about just like I get that at the start of the movie he's born an old man mm-hmm. and he's I think he's 12 when this happens but he's still okay. looks like an old man so if you if you take it back from like he's in his mid 80s when he's born he's in his like mid to early 70s at the age of 12 right mm-hmm. <laughs> and he meets Kate Blanchett's character Daisy for the mm. first time and she's yes. like eight or whatever and he's staring at her and the diary narration is like oh I saw her for the first time and she was you know I don't know what the exact wording was but it was basically implying that he was seeing a beautiful girl and it was like taking his breath away or whatever Yeah. and mm. he's looking at her and at this point it is Brad Pitt's voice coming out of this, this little old man uh, mm. <laughs> that's talking to her <laughs> and I'm like Okay, I know that mentally he's 12 right now, um, mm-hmm. but this is still Brad Pitt's voice being flirty with a little girl, and I feel really weird about it. I was okay with it, because they never went too far. They never went the route of like, oh, hey, Daisy, you want to go play doctor or something? Like, that would have been too much. It was always innocent the whole way through, even up until he left at age, like, 20 or something like that. Like, he was definitely older. Yeah. That, um, although, it does, I didn't realize there was even that much of a gap. It wasn't until later when uh, Kate mm-hmm. Blanchett points out their age difference of about four years, where I went, wait a minute, so she was, like, Six eight? years. Oh, yeah, six, six years. She was, like, six when you were eyeing her up? That's even weirder, dude. It was 1930s, man. Times were different. Uh, but uh, yeah, because there's a moment where like he's hanging out with her in like a den at night, mm-hmm. and like the grandmother it's a blanket fort. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the the grandmother comes down and grabs says, "You should, you're, you know, you're, you're a young girl. You shouldn't be wandering about." And then she turns to young Benjamin Button. It goes, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Basically, call him a pedophile. Like you're a pervert. Yeah. You're an old pervert. And it's like, look. <laughs> But if you're going to yeah. raise this topic, if you're going to raise this question, then I mm-hmm. feel like we have to do more with it than just a yes. single moment. Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I like that moment because it's one of the few times where they actually take a second and say, here is a problem this character would face due to the way that his life works. And everything else that goes on, not everything, but most everything else is just general life problems that everyone has. Like, he needs to find job. He needs to go out and explore. He needs to, like, find love, get married, stuff like that. These are just general life problems. This is one of the few times where there's something specific to him reversing an age that is a problem just to him. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's an interesting concept. Obviously, play with it more as he's getting older slash younger, depending on your mm-hmm. perspective. And yeah. But it is this thing, yeah, the people that he is mentally the same age as 
at least for a good part of his life, are going to be much younger. And mm-hmm. it's not until he's in, you know, middle-aged, you know, any, you know, about the age of 40, where he's actually going to be around the same age as a potential partner, assuming that they're roughly the same age, you know, mentally as, as yeah. he is. Uh, that That is an interesting concept. And mm-hmm. it comes up a bit in the middle of the movie when he's actually with Kate Blanchett in their own relationship. But I do feel like more could have been explored here with especially since like we spend so much time with his like first you know 15 to 20 years right yeah as an old man um obviously by the time he's leaving on the boat he's he's more like he's in his early 60s so he's starting to be a bit you know fitter he's starting to be able to help and do some work even if he's not like the fastest or whatever at it Mm. but we kind of just gloss over the puberty side of things like the the, mental puberty mental yeah like yeah and that was the other thing is that so he starts this job uh basically through sheer will with jared harris who's this like tugboat captain Mm -hmm. and he brings him on uh, to help clean the decks and whatever else and he starts asking him quite as a hey old man because obviously very few people know that he's actually someone aging back obviously uh henson who plays like the adopted mother character obviously knows he's aging backwards but jared harris doesn't know and he's like hey old man can you still get it up and Brad Pitt doesn't understand. He's clearly not had this explained to him. Like, he's not had sex education. Yeah, he's like 13 or 14 mentally here, but obviously yeah. living in the home that he did in the 19, like, 20s, he's not getting that sort of talk. Yeah, well, it'll be the 30s now, right? Yes, true. Yeah, right, it'll, it'll be 1932-ish, about though. So let me, let me rephrase. His mom does not want him sleeping with anybody because it would be not okay, no matter which age he goes for. (laughs) Absolutely. But he's definitely getting to that age where you need to start telling him things, like so you can Mm. understand what he should and shouldn't be doing and what maybe he will get up to or whatever, right? So Mm. it's not Jared Harris's fault. He doesn't understand that he's actually talking to a 14-year-old. But what does he do when he finds out he's not had sex? He takes him to a brothel and... um, Brad Pitt, old man Brad Pitt, has the time of his life with this prostitute. She she yep. is worn out. She is so tired by the time he's done. Because the mind is willing, <laughs> but the, the flesh is old and weak. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's just essentially because I was, I was questioning like, what age is he supposed to be right now? And I thought it was a little bit older than mm. that. I thought it was maybe like 17 or something. But then there was something in a couple of scenes time that clarified that that he was only just turning a certain age. And I went, oh, wait, he was like 14. Yeah, I got the dates here. So 1930 is when he first meets Daisy and he's 12 years old. Yes. And then in 1936, he leaves on the tugboat like permanently. So this is what it Yeah, this is what it was. It was the next time we see Daisy after this where... I went, wait, she's only like 15 here. Like, and he's he's been with a prostitute like the previous year. Like, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what what's going on? Because I was like, she's still so young looking. And yeah. it's, you know, case in point, it's still not Kate Blanchett playing her. We've still got a different actress. We've got a teenage right. actress playing her at this point in the movie. So it, it's like, okay, all right. So th- that's basically how we handle that. He's kind of just thrust into it. Um, right, which if I could just pause real quick here, because yeah. that that scene where he like, you know, he's on the tugboat, he's doing all that sort of stuff. That's kind of like, I would say pretty much the beginning of the second act at that point, more or less, probably a good 45 minutes to an hour into the movie. The entire first section of this movie is basically just 
people look at him weird. He's unable to do things, and he keeps on meeting old people in this retirement home that he's growing up in, and they just continuously die around him. Yeah, and well, that goes on for like 45 minutes. I mean, the theme of death's really thick, especially early on mm-hmm. in the movie, because not only do you have him in a retirement home where people are dying every so often so because they're all at the end of their lifespan, Mm-hmm. Um, he is supposed to, the doctor says he's probably going to die he's a baby like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't expect him to survive uh, partly because he doesn't understand that he's aging backwards he just thinks he's oh well this baby's just completely screwed he's just, yeah. there's just there's a lot of things wrong with him right. um, and then obviously as well the framing device is Daisy on her deathbed like talking mm-hmm. to her, her adult daughter about this man that she knew so like the theme of being the end of the road and death and like counting down to death is a big big part it's, it's the most consistent theme throughout the entire thing mm-hmm. is is that they, they i believe multiple characters keep on saying the idea of like yeah they just hold on for something like there's something mm. that they have to get done and then they just end up passing and that comes up pretty much with every character who dies they have them show them completing that one last thing before they end up biting it yeah uh so like you say you know he meets someone like there's like a guy that comes to visit the house and he takes mm-hmm. him for like a root beer and the guy just like make, meets a woman and goes oh you can make your own way home and like yeah i don't think he's ever like traveled on his own but he's got two walking yeah. sticks at this point he's barely he's struggling to get mm-hmm. back you know well there, there's a scene even just before that where um his entire life he's been confined to a wheelchair because you know he's a kid oh, he can't yeah, walk. of course of course and then he's brought to this evangelical church He's brought up on stage, and the pastor casts out the demons. It's out, Beelzebub. This boy shall walk. And he starts walking across the stage for the first time. And then, in the vein of death follows this man everywhere he goes, the pastor ends up dying on stage after he gets Benjamin to walk. Honestly, so, this was pretty silly. Like, yeah. if I'm to look at a specific scene here and say some of this is a bit ridiculous and kind of, like, on the nose... This is a scene that sticks out in my mind as being, okay, this is just kind of laughable. I, I don't know. And yet this is the one scene that every time I thought of this movie before watching it, this is the scene that I pictured. Maybe it's the, like the one scene I caught when I was actually turning it on to watch it. But the scene where he's getting up out of the wheelchair and walking is, a, it's a powerful image. It's something that sticks with you, but it is in the sense of the larger scene, extremely silly. Yeah. Uh, the only scene that I really remembered specifically was really near the end of the movie mm. uh, when he comes to see Kate Blanchett again after he's like de-aged a lot mm. and he's like 20 now or maybe even a teenager. Um, I, I remember that because he's like, in shadow at first and then he walks yeah. forward and then she realizes who it is. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> oh, God. I, have, I have words for that scene when we get there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not going to talk about every scene because, like, you know, as we've said, two hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah. We're already an hour in to the movie at this point. And <laughs> trust me, you're not missing much. You're really not. Because obviously, it goes back to, like, the framing device every so often. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, obviously, as the movie's going on, you're like, Okay, we all know that this is going to turn out to be Ben's daughter, right? We all we all know that's where yeah. it's going. And at one mm-hmm. point, even this woman, Caroline's on them, says, Mom, you know, did, did Dan know about this Benjamin Button character? She's like, yeah, yeah, I, t- I met him after him a bit, t- a bit later. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay. That, he knew enough. This is building up. This is building up to the he's your mm-hmm. dad reveal. All right. And also, I guess, worth mentioning at this point is in the framing device, there's also this 
thing that keeps coming up of there's a hurricane coming up the coast. I mm-hmm. guess it's supposed to be Katrina. And it, because they're in a hospital, they, they keep on saying like, oh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll we need to move you. You're you're we're, we're moving everybody because the hurricane's coming. And then they just don't. And she ends up dying as the hurricane hits. I don't I'm missing the theming for that. That one completely eludes me. I don't understand why it was so important that this she dies in this storm, more or less. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it before. Now, now you've got me pondering. Um, yeah. I think, well, you see the birds as well at the end in the storm. Uh, oh, that's right. There's so that the, bird there. You see the, that bird at the very end, and I don't know, this idea that we're all, we're all living through a storm. We're all fighting against the current. Kind of, I don't know. Wow, that's really dumb. Okay. <laughs> and the storm's finally come for her. She's finally too weak to fight against the storm. Yep. I don't know. That's <laughs> all I've got for you. Yeah. All right. Anyway, back to where we were at. Uh, he jugs, joins the tugboat company permanently. Yes, yes. He ends up leaving to go and do that and uh, travels around the world. Um, uh, this is where Jared Harris talks about the bird and what you know why he's got it tattooed on his body because the only bird yeah. that can fly backwards. Um all that stuff uh, but we, we get it's relatively quickly because he gets to the point where he's maybe in his like late 50s early 60s in terms of physical body and mm-hmm. this is where whilst they're working wherever it is i can't even remember it was a it was remember. just some job i, I they, they basically work as contractors on a tugboat of anytime yeah. there's a broken down ship they just go out pick it up and bring it back to port yeah, yeah, but they're, they're they're stationed somewhere. So he's living at a hotel and uh, Mur- Murmansk in Russia, I believe. Oh, there you go. Uh, so this is where he meets Tilda Swinton's character. Her husband is like uh, secretary of something. He's there. He's there on political yeah. uh, business, and she is kind of this drunken woman who catches Brad Pitt's eye, and they end up basically going through this rhythm of late at night when everyone else is asleep they go down into the lobby and somehow are allowed to just go into the kitchen and make tea i thought that was a bit weird but okay whatever uh, <laughs> and they just sort of talk and get to know each other and it gets to the point where she's basically saying yeah we're probably about to have an affair but here's the rules if we do have an affair <laughs> and sure enough they have this kind of fling where each night you know it starts off with them still just been in their pajamas each night but eventually you know she starts getting more dressed up for it so then he starts getting more dressed up for it and they have these romantic evenings of dining and sex and whatever else. And then mm. one day she just disappears. Like she goes off with her husband and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, it's a whole thing. So I, I do want to, at this point, I will point out specific ages here. Um, Benjamin Button, over the course of his entire life, was 85. When okay. He died. So whatever math you do, you take 85 minus that amount. And that's how much he was looking for. So at this point in the movie, it's 1941. He's 23 years old. And so he is, I believe, looking like he's 62. Yeah. I think that's how that comes out. That's how he's 60s. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. There's one scene that's kind of in the middle here that threw me for a loop. I don't Maybe I just missed it or maybe it was I was looking at it wrong. There's a scene where they show kind of a linking footage because we go from 1936 to 1941 between these two scenes. And they just show a shot of Benjamin Button on like the bow of this ship in a storm as the captain's calling down to him saying, oh, hey, batten down the hatches or whatever. And he turns around to face the camera 
And I swear to God, it was just a completely different actor. Like, it wasn't Brad Pitt in makeup. It wasn't Brad Pitt CGI. It wasn't Brad Pitt just by himself. It was just a totally different dude for just that one shot. Did Am I crazy? Did you notice this? <laughs> I, don't I, I, I did not notice this, no. Because I, I was looking, I was like, why in the hell would they just have one shot of a different dude? Maybe it was just, you know, the CGI was just really off on that scene or something, but it threw me for a loop. I've got a funny feeling it's because there was so much water and stuff like blowing across the, the face yeah, and screen. It, it was, that was probably like making it difficult to do. So you ended up with a bit of a mush. Mm. Uh, it was also the only scene where he ever spoke in anything above that graveled whisper that he has. So <laughs> it didn't sound like him either. Yeah. Honestly, one of the things that really... Uh, I, I, probably the most stupid he ever looked not necessarily the less the, like he definitely looked worse from a realism point of view but there was mm. a certain point where he was a little bit younger and they started just giving him this sort of more shaggy grey wig and I thought that looked a bit sillier yeah like yeah. it was like oh he's like you're letting the hair do a lot of the talking here as opposed to doing too much to his face and it just looked a bit silly mm. um but see I do I do actually like the idea of that shaggy wig though because you know he's going through his 20s he he had his entire beginning of his life where he was unable to grow hair so then as soon as he's able to grow hair, he's like, I'm never cutting it again. It's going to grow out down to my ass, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's right after the end of this romance, and he's been sending postcards to uh, Daisy. Daisy this whole time, who's been getting into ballet, and she's been auditioning. Yes. She's like sort of rising up those ranks, and she's... By the time the, by the, time the Second World War is done, she's like a professional dancer, but like she's on her mm -hmm. path to that at this point. Um, but obviously when he says, hey, I've fallen in love with a woman, that kind of bums her out. Which is kind of mm -hmm. funny because, like, you know, to you, he's been this really old man, like, every time you've seen him. Like, the yeah. the, young, the youngest you've seen him is, like, in his early 70s, I think, at this point. Maybe late 60s. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, whatever. Um, which leads us to, once Tilda Swinton just vanishes, right? Mm -hmm. So leaves him a note, it turns out, but she just vanishes basically one night. She's just not there. Uh, that's when Pearl Harbor happens. And... Yep. It turns out the boat is being drafted in to not fight, but help sort of like, you know, any ship that gets hit that has like men stranded, they're there to go in and like bring in the wreckage and bring in the yeah. people, you know, basically just be a support vessel. Uh, and Benjamin Button's like, yep, I'm into it. <laughs> Let's go do it. Mm -hmm. And basically, this is very, this is actually a very quick bit of the movie, but it's ultimately just for most of the war. He didn't see a lot of action until one night they actually saw a bit of action, <laughs> which yeah. is... They sailed a... into a recently finished battle, and then as they are approaching, a U-boat comes up out of the water, yes. and they're like, uh-oh, we're going to have to deal with this now. And Jared Harris gets killed, as do some of the other people on the boat. Can I... Can I, yep. I, I remember now, this is the point where I took my break. This is the point where I was oh, like, yes. okay, I need to stop. It was just before the action scene started. And I went out and I talked to my girlfriend. I was like, so how are you feeling about the movie? She's like, it's really boring. I want them to like do something. And then we came back, press play. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Guns are firing. And I'm like, is this enough? Yeah, it's very short lived though. Cause it, it's, yeah. it's over in a flash and it's, it's, you know, it, it obviously button survives. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he has to watch his friend die, you know, he's captain. By the way, there's a crew of, like, four other people that they took the time to give names and characters to and then just killed half of them and forgot the rest. Yeah, one's quiet, one's upset, one gives him money to give to his wife. There's three more minutes you could cut right there. That <laughs> whole thing. Yeah, not a lot comes from it. Yeah, So then he goes home, 
um and obviously everyone's surprised this what he looks like now because now he's like in his mm-hmm. 50s at by the end of the war right mid 50s even so mm-hmm. it's like okay he's starting to look a bit more spry he's looking a bit more healthy and whatever and Kate blanchett shows up and they kind of reconnect and one of the first things she says like oh so uh, that whole uh romance you said you had uh, before you stopped writing to me how did that go he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah it didn't last <laughs> and she's like oh that's a shame so they go to dinner and so keep in mind at this point he looks like he's in his mid-50s and she is like 23 roundabout yeah yeah and they go to dinner and she starts smoking and he says oh i didn't know you did that and he's like i'm old enough for this i'm old enough for a lot of things and i'm like if you've really been thinking about buying this old man like throughout your like coming of age years i'm not going to pretend to understand how deep daddy issues run (laughs) but they run deep but she like i i don't think it's a a, an exaggeration to say that she is basically gagging for it at this point in the movie yeah right i think i think she said at one point she starts doing like ballet out by this lake in the moonlight and she's like yeah you know i uh i hooked up with some girls that uh that sound (laughs) hot to you no 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 she doesn't say she did it but she's like no ballet is all very sexual in fact a lot of the Mm. ballet dancers are lesbians one yeah. of them wanted to sleep with me. Does that surprise you, Benjamin? And he's like, no, you're very pretty. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm surprised the older way to sleep with you. And then she basically, they, they, she kisses him and then like holds him and says, let's go back to uh, your place or let's go to a hotel or something. And he's like, mm-hmm. and maybe not yet. Like, you know, it's not, like, uh, you know I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of old here. Like, maybe let's wait a little bit. Yeah. And he understands down. the optics of it at the very least, yeah. regardless of what he wants to do. Which, which is interesting because obviously there's a montage later on before he gets with her properly, but he's starting to be in like he's, you know, early 40s or whatever. So he's starting to be kind of hot Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know he missed the east you know he had a few sex partners in that time and yeah. there's a really funny bit where there's like a woman doing a walk of shame because he's still living at the old folks home and this woman's yeah. coming out putting on her heels and there's just all these old people staring at her i love it i i if this movie had more little beats like that i would have enjoyed it so much more hmm. but instead it's like once every 45 minutes we might get something like this yeah, well, it's in the same line of thinking as the, uh, like, or the, the the unfortunate side effects of him looking really old when he's attracted to young people is mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's a very situational thing. And likewise, this is a situational bit of comedy that only arises because of the status quo and the, the setup yeah. of the character. If you actually played with that more, then that might be something. Uh, yeah, well, no, you know. absolutely. If, if anything, this feels like a movie that's kind of... I don't want to say broken into two parts because it's not, but in terms of the romance, it definitely feels like there's a period where Benjamin is too old for her and then a period where they realize, okay, we're at the right age for each other. And it's not this gradual process, it feels like. It feels like there's a very clear-cut line of now it is okay. Now we can just move into this relationship and stop pretending like it's not going to happen. You know, I think I would have respected the movie more if they just never quite made it work, you know, where it's just there are two people living on two opposite sides. And maybe there was a brief moment where there was something, but it just ultimately didn't end up I mean, working. It's too sentimental for that to be the case. But I, yeah, 
I think to to play devil's advocate here, I do think the point of that is the idea that people in relationships grow towards each other, then sometimes drift apart. And I think yeah. the idea is that the aging in both directions represents that other than this section in the middle where they're roughly the same age for a while, there's, you know, that drifting apart happens in either end because of their differences. So is it, they're, in this case, they're literally yeah. different, too different to be together before and after. Mm. But there's that period in the middle where, nope, they're a match. Yeah. There was one movie that came out, I never watched it, but I did hear a lot about it. I think it was called like The Time Traveler's Wife or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those sentimental romance movies. It's essentially the same plot as this, more or less, where it's just a guy is bouncing around time and he just keeps on showing up at different points in this woman's life. And they somehow form a romance out of it. But the part that bothered me when I caught the little bit I did was the first time he shows up, he's 40, she's six. And I'm like, mm, that should just be a no-go from there, bro. Yeah, like, you're not allowed to continue that anymore. Yeah, but is that the first time he sees her, or is this just the first time you see them together in the movie? I don't movie? know. That's, 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 I didn't get that deep in the movie. Uh, to be fair, I did see this once upon a time, but I don't oh, remember okay. it. I don't remember it enough to know the answer to that question. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I... So, remind me, does anything hmm. else significant happen before he decides to go visit her at her play in New York? Um, after, after he's he, turned her down, is there anything significant? And is it, is this where his father yes, shows up and talks yes, to him? This, yeah. So he when he comes back in 1945, uh, he it's actually just as soon as he's done with his date as with uh, Daisy that his real father, the one by the way, we never even said that at the beginning. Uh, he was well, we never, we never birth- talked about his birth. To be honest, we just kind of skipped ahead yeah. to all the other stuff. So when he was born, it was the night that World War One ended. Um, it was November 11th, 1918, and he was born to his mother who died in childbirth. The baby was handed over to the father, and the father sees horrible, gross, ugly man baby and proceeds to run out of the house and just leave it on the steps of this retirement home um, because he can hear, like, you know, voices inside. He knows the baby will be found. And he also leaves, like, I think they said, like, 50 bucks, pretty much. No, it was $18. She was very specific about it later on. So probably 50 bucks equivalent today, but still, not a lot. Um, But yeah, he he leaves the baby and then just basically disappears from Benjamin's life. But we see throughout the movie, he keeps on stopping by the house. Yeah. And he never comes up. He never says anything. But he checks in on Benjamin. He actually does. Well, yeah, there is that one time. Because uh, now that we're talking about it... When he sees him now after the war, this is where he sort of like tells him everything. He does mm-hmm. see him once before the war, where he just sort of says, "Hey, old man, would you like to get a drink?" And kind of never, you know, doesn't tell him who he is. He just kind of gets to know him a little bit. He clearly wants to know mm-hmm. who his son is. He's sort of looking, you know, he's he's, he's been l- longingly looking at him guilty. We've seen him in the background yeah. of a couple of scenes, you know, looking over. And but this is the this scene after he's turned down Cape Blanchett is where he kind of like admits who he is because he, he's shown him the the button factory mm-hmm. and he's like buttons, basically buttons. he's basically saying hey like you're going to inherit this and benjamin's like why are you showing me all this he's like you're my son benjamin <laughs> search your feelings you know it to be true yes uh which you know like all of this dealing with who his father was and that he was abandoned and you know, reiterating that his real mum's the one that's actually raised him and all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's all fine, but mm-hmm. it does kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're, 
you know we've paused the plot of the movie what there is of it to yeah to do this instead and i get thematically why it's important because ultimately he's going to choose to abandon his family the same way that his father abandoned him and that's mm-hmm. definitely a you know a thematic point that the movie and story definitely wants to play with yeah but you know i i again i i because i maybe this just comes from not really connected with benjamin himself that much but i also never really connected with his father or how well, or what his relationship yeah, with his father is or or cared about yeah, it i th- i think that it basically ends up being a moot plot because uh, the original short story was written in 1922 so it didn't it wasn't set for the same period of post-world war one to 2003 it was actually set just after the american civil war to the end of mm. world war one so it was a different time period. So I think this is just kind of one of those carryovers that they needed to make happen, where it's like, oh, yes, it's his last name is Button, and he owns a button factory. And that's a thing that's carried over from the book. Because honestly, I looked through the short list of what the plot is for the short story. Nothing is the same. Absolutely goddamn nothing. There's no romance subplot. There's nothing there. The only thing that carried over is the button factory. <laughs> Well, and and it the, makes me feel like the, they did it. The agent backwards the as well, I assume. Yes, but yeah. Of course, of course. But <laughs> the the only thing it carries over, so it makes me feel like it was more out of a sense of, well, okay, we, we can't figure out a good way to get this story working otherwise. I think that what the big thing was is that they didn't want you to have to sit and watch Benjamin Button working a nine-to-five job for 50 years, you know? They had to give him some way to just be independently wealthy, and as such, he just inherits this button empire that he barely has to interact with. Yeah, so that's the whole thing. There's a funeral. He does something nice for him. There's there's a speech in the narration about, you know, not holding grudges and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, being kind and not holding on to things, which is all fine. But again, it's all very in a vacuum, sentimental, and just kind of well-natured and maybe that's partly why i never connect to the characters that he never really has a flaw like no. what are benjamin button's flaws that he has to overcome he shows up to new york unannounced he does but even, how even, dare he but even that's like this hopefully naive thing where he thinks he's going yeah. to show up and surprise her and sweep her off her feet and then he's surprised to find oh no she's kind of got a boyfriend she's got friends mm-hmm. she had plans for that night um, and he feels kind of like a spare wheel, you know? Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she points that out and he admits, yeah, this is my fault. I should have called ahead. This is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, so that, that leads into the next part. The, the, the butterfly effect sequence that is actually good. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll just, I'll just straight up say, I think that this movie by this point, we're like an hour 30 in, maybe even further. I am checked out. I am already like, okay, I, once we get to the point where they are able to actually be in a relationship, I might check back in here. I might be reinterested depending on how they handle it. But at this point, there's nothing going on except this sort of will they, won't they with this relationship. And of course they will. Like, that's not even a question. So at that point, I'm checked out. But then they do this sequence where they say how all of these different factors, this, this, man driving a taxi, this woman uh, leaving her apartment, this guy getting a coffee, all these different things came together 
in the perfect storm to end up making it so that Daisy was hit by a car and her amazing ballet career that was just about to really take off fall short and she is never going to be able to dance again. And it's if this was a whole movie, I'd love it so much more. It was a it was a great little viewpoint on, oh, here's how all these different facets come together and create a life that is confusing but still ultimately the result of something it's the the thing they keep on bringing up is cause and effect they say that over and over again of cause and effect i think that this would be the perfect way to show of yeah no the effect happens but sometimes the cause is unknown you can't always see where it's coming from yeah this is a whole little mini thing that it does where Benjamin Button, because you don't find out until quite late on that it's leading to a car accident. You like when mm-hmm. it starts, it's just like, okay, if this woman hadn't forgotten her coat, it went back in to get the coat and then answered the phone when it started ringing, she would have gotten this cab at this time instead of that time. And that mm-hmm. cab, cab driver, if he hadn't got a coffee, he'd have been there instead of here. And if this other person, you know, and it's all these little things, and then it all kind of builds up to reveal that this all results in her getting hit by the taxi car. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And I get what you're saying, but I actually really disliked this in the movie. Not really? Be- not because it's bad on its own, but because okay. it felt like we were stopping the progression oh, to be yeah. to be artsy-fartsy when I'm, like, begging for it to just move forward as quickly as possible. And yeah. instead, we're, we're like, if, if this movie was not as long as it is, I would have appreciated this more. But at this point, and we're, like, I know we're, we're maybe two hours in right mm-hmm. here there's still like 45 minutes left and we're doing this stuff we're, we're doing this overly like complex way of showing a, a, an event and while it's handled quite well for what it is um it feels like the rest of the movie hasn't earned this particular moment if yeah. that makes sense no yeah i get you like i i I'm fully viewing this in a vacuum. I 100% agree that in terms of how the movie is progressing, I would have loved it so much more if it had just cut this whole sequence and say, and then one day she got into a car accident. It's like, cool, we just saved three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It would save literally three minutes if they just sort of Mm -hmm. clipped over it. Which, you know, he goes to Paris to to see her uh, Mm -hmm. because he finds out. And she's embarrassed. She doesn't want him to see her like that and gets kind of mean and tells him to go. And it, you know, it cuts to the framing device and the old version is like, oh, it was so cruel. And she's like really mm-hmm. regretting what she said. Um, So he goes back home and he... Well, apparently he stays in Paris for at least a little while and just kind of follows her around to make sure that she's actually okay. Which... Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just getting yeah. to the next well, no, part. I, I just love that bit because she's like, I never knew that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> that never came up? At no point did it ever come up that he stayed in Paris and followed you around. Follows. I don't work for that stalking. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, the 50s. It's okay back then. So, I think we're in the 60s now, at this point. Well, she broke her leg in 54, but then oh, the next okay. next thing that happens is 62, where... That's when she comes back. That's when she goes and yep. sees him. Because uh, he's living at the old folks' home, and she goes and sees him. Mm-hmm. And they... You know the the romance blossoms there because at this point they're kind of similar ages, and yep. it, it it properly kicks off. Um, mm-hmm. and they have there's a great montage of them going on a boat and they're uh getting an apartment and all that. I mean, somewhere around all this is is adopted mother passes away as well, and we have yep. that mixed in. 
but most of it's focused on them getting together and you know it time stamps this as the 60s but the beatles been on their, their really ugly old tv set yeah. and just you know things are starting to feel a bit more modern and they're building this life and there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a few comments from her about her getting a couple of wrinkles and he's getting seemingly younger yeah there's there's one scene that i think is really kind of just the entire last act of the movie all set in about 30 seconds which <laughs> is uh they're cuddling up in bed together there's a storm going on outside and she's like will you still love me when i'm old and wrinkled and he says will you still love me when i have acne when i'm wetting <laughs> the bed like what was that be a thing and i i it's a cute little scene in its own right but it honestly it's just the entire like last 30 minutes of this movie that's just it like they just said it and then they're just going to go ahead and do it again yeah i mean it becomes this thing where she gets pregnant and Mm. it's all this happy news at first but he immediately starts to worry he starts to grow concerned and when they start talking about it his concern is like well i'm going the other direction by the time this kid is a teenager I may be a teenager, <laughs> and yeah. then as that goes on, you know, I'll I'll be getting younger, and it'll go from there. And he's concerned. He's like, "Oh, you you you, you can't raise both the kid and me." And mm-hmm. I was I was kind of you know I wanted to kind of like like hold on hold on a second. Actually, you yeah. you, you don't have to be raised. You're going to be smaller, and you don't mm-hmm. be you know you may need help with certain things, but you're still going to be you. Obviously, they kind of circumvent that with him getting dementia as he becomes a yeah. kid. Uh, he, he would have been fine right up until he looks 12 and then all of a sudden we would have had some issues but yeah, yeah. um admittedly yeah this the kid would have had a weird childhood like watching mm-hmm. their dad like get closer to their own age <laughs> that would have been yeah. weird uh for sure but you know this is the, the part of the movie where at least i understand it probably the most in terms of what it's doing this is just right. representing the fears of becoming a parent and that you're going to fail and that you're not going to be a good enough father and all those things mm-hmm. and he gets scared and and goes right and he repeats the sins of his own father and in some way you know the cycle is repeated all that stuff so real quick can i just talk about that one scene because it's it's such an awkwardly done scene in my opinion where the scene where he leaves he he just decides it you know obviously it goes through a whole thing he's like oh yeah no i i i can't stay i need to leave i need to just rip off the band-aid and I, I can't even say goodbye to them. I just have to leave. And he he sells off the button factory. He gives them all of his assets. Like he gives them enough that they can survive for the rest of their life, no problem. But then he lays the little booklet of all the little papers they'll need next to the bed, and he looks up at Cape Blanchett uh, and his journal, and his journal. Yep. And he's just she's just staring at him. She's not asleep. She's just staring at him. He locks eyes with her still doesn't say a word and just puts on his jacket and walks out the door. And I don't know that for me in this, this heartfelt sentimental movie felt like such an out of place, like a mean spirited sort of scene. Yeah, it's very cold. Yeah. Um, I, almost... I understand he's afraid, but like it just, she's awake, dude. You couldn't even wait until <laughs> the next night to put your master plan into action. I mean, I think I kind of like it because it's maybe one of the few thing, times in the whole movie I felt something, because it felt mm. like she knew what he was doing, he knew he was caught, but did it anyway without ever saying a word. There was at least some real drama to that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, it was like we dropped the sentimental stuff for like a moment, at least. Mm. 
but like you know obviously there's a build-up while she's pregnant and like you know uh it looks bad for a second because uh, you know he's obviously also yeah. worried that the kid's going to be like him like that's a concern he has as well mm-hmm. um but she's like no I'll, I'll love the kid anyway like the kid will deserve to be loved and you know maybe that's a bit of a theme here as well which is which is a fine theme you have in your movie i'm not gonna yeah. uh but it, it's all through this very saccharine lens and i, mm-hmm. I it's hard to kind of get on board for me um so we get this montage like his like golden age like 20 you know late teens to his 20s or it's mm-hmm. like a montage of him doing his like backpacking around the world doing his easy rider and whatever yeah. else and he does come back eventually and you know this was set up during the like before she got pregnant but she she's she can't dance but she can teach dancing so she's now got a dance class for young girls and that's what she's been mm-hmm. doing and she's still doing that when he eventually comes back and the journal's already done the journal stopped but yep. this is now Daisy saying the last parts because that's when she she met him again, and apparently also um, he during his backpacking trip he sent a bunch of letters to his daughter like yeah. postcards to his daughter that were just never delivered. Yeah, yeah. So she gets them all here in the book at the you know in the framing mm-hmm. device. She's like, oh, this is when I was five. This is when I was seven. Yada yada. Yep. Um, but Brad Pitt shows up and he's all young and now she's remarried uh, some guy who seems fine, but. It's like, okay, this is weird. Now she's like 55, you're like 20, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's very awkward. And obviously she says you shouldn't have come. But then she shows up at his hotel room anyway. And it's yeah. like this last chance to have a fling. So she cheats on her husband with Brad Pitt when he's looking really young. This is effectively the equivalent of like a high school student having like a, an older mistress. Obviously, mentally, it's not like that. Right, yeah. I was going to say, if you looked at the scene, you're yeah. right, but it is physically, mentally, it's, it it's looks two like old that. flames getting back together. Yeah, mentally, it's very different, but physically, that's what it looks like and what it, mm-hmm. it kind of is. Yeah. Um, and it's this last hurrah. And I almost wonder in the moment if that's why she came here. It's not just that she loves him and she missed him, but it's like, this really is the last child. Like, you know, in a couple of years' time, it, it, like I, I just can't. Like, it just won't yeah. be possible because mm-hmm. he's going to look too young and it's going yeah. to be entering into creepy territory. I think at this scene, he's 23, I think. Okay. Or he looks 23 officially. So, yeah, that would have been like five years later and then nothing else. And that's the other thing is like, he's staying at a hotel. He's not sticking around. Yeah. He's yeah. still going off doing his world globetrotting thing, but he is here just to check back in on her, more or less. Yeah, and obviously this is digital de-aging at this point because now we're younger than Brad Pitt actually is and yeah. that comes with its own share of smooth, odd qualities. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I actually like this more because we have reference footage for young Brad Pitt. Sure. So they were able to like get it to look more realistic. It just seemed weird to us because we spent the entire movie with normal slash old Brad Pitt. So but getting it here, we know, like you said, this isn't his correct age. We can tell that just by how it is. Mm. Yeah, and he goes back at traveling, and as Daisy's like finishing up these stories, she talks about how she kind of ended up taking care of him when he was a kid because basically yeah. he's found living in a derelict building at some point. Because I was thinking about this um, just before it got to it, is that eventually when he's so like young-looking, like mm-hmm. someone will have to take care of him. And obviously there's a few lines throughout the movie that compare that to what getting old is really like where you get old enough yeah. you have to be taken care of he literally grows up in an old folks home which is a place where old people are taken care of because mm-hmm. they can't look after themselves 
and but no one's going to know that he needs to be taken care of other than a select few people because most people don't get younger so sure enough he's found by the police in a derelict building but he's acting out he's getting angry and he's forgetting things and Mm. uh the doctor apparently says if he didn't know better he said he would say he has dementia and all of a sudden we're like no he probably does because he's actually that age and so i mean okay if you want to if you want to finish up the scene because i have a lot of thoughts on this i mean i mean it's basically kate blanchett comes and she meets him and he's like 12 and she he doesn't really know who she is and he doesn't mm. never seem to really know who she is because it, you know, it, it skips ahead again and he's like five and he's on the roof and he's it's dangerous and he keeps getting angry because he's you know in the same way that a dementia patient would be getting angry because they're they're convinced that they're they're meant to have breakfast but the person saying no you already had breakfast mm-hmm. uh if I, I think him saying f off or your yeah. effing liars is the only f bomb in the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, when and he's a kid. It's also worth noting that as soon as he leaves this, um, the ballet studio, as soon as they hook up for the last mm. time, that's the last time we see Brad Pitt. From yeah. this point on, it's played by just child actors. Yes. Uh, which makes sense. It would have been really weird if they tried to digitally do Brad Pitt at twelve. I mean, I mean, they did it for old age with tiny old man. They could easily uh... go the other direction. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, basically, Kate Blanchett says that as he died in her arms as a baby, right, mm-hmm. which is eventually how he was going to go out, and he looks like a you know relative newborn. Uh, she says that I knew in his eyes he knew who I was right before he died, uh, mm-hmm. and that kind of wraps up the the main yep. story of the movie. Yeah, then we get the framing device where the hurricane hits and. Yeah, and we see they've replaced the clock in the the train station with a digital clock. Okay, so these last, like, five minutes where Kate Blanchett is caring for dementia-ridden young Benjamin Button. This was so deeply unsettling for me, (laughs) and I don't know why. Like, it was just... Everything about it felt horrifying to me. And I think that... This movie does so much of talking about death that it almost kind of just makes it normal throughout the course of the movie. It's saying like, oh, yeah, we, uh, you know, everybody dies. Everybody goes out at their own time, sometimes peaceful, sometimes it's not. But like it just becomes a normal thing with how much the movie talks about it. But we're not talking about death here. We're talking about unbirth. And something about that is just so much more like terrifying on a base level to me of like this idea of not only are you aging younger but you also are unaware of your surroundings it's essentially in his final days here he was a literal like time traveler he was actually progressing backwards and he was never able to see what his next day would be you know like he he was he had no memories of the past and no memories of the future he was essentially just stuck in the single day that he, he was and maybe that's just Maybe I'm commenting less on unbirth as I am commenting on just dementia as a whole being a horrifying concept of losing your life like that. Mm -hmm. But this entire final segment, more so than anything else when they were talking about death, just deeply hit me in terms of, oh, I don't like that at all. (laughs) Yeah, the ending is pretty unsettling. Um, You know, there's a moment where when he's still like maybe five or whatever age he is, where he's saying, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had a whole life, but I can't remember it. he's, He's saying that. And it's, yeah, there is something kind of unsettling about the whole thing. Um, I think the, there's one shot that really gets me. And I again, I don't know why it's this one shot, but it's a shot where Benjamin Button's probably like 
a year, maybe two years old. And it's just the camera really, really far back, like almost as if it's supposed to be a entirely separate person. And it's watching the little baby button walking with Daisy. Daisy leans down, just gives him a little kiss on the cheek, and they keep walking. And something about that, contextualized with everything else in the movie, I'm like, that's a 90-year-old man. That is a 90-year-old man you were walking with, and yet he is a child here. I don't know why. It just it skeeved <laughs> me the wrong way, man. It was actually funny. When she, when she first sees him as a kid, when she comes over and she meets him at the piano when he's like 12, mm-hmm. I actually had this weird thought. I was like, this is basically flipped from when he first met her. She yeah. She's seeing someone that she's had sex with, but he's a 12-year-old boy, and that's kind of weird and icky and wrong. See, you say that, but that's why I think I was more okay with the first part, because neither of them had been romantically intimate before that point. Both uh-huh. of them were these innocent, like, youths, more or less. When we get to this point, yeah, no, I can't, like, I just imagine there being one time Daisy in desperation is like, remember when we boned Benjamin as he's shaking a <laughs> seven-year-old? Like, it's just, it. I don't know, it skeeves me. I mean, like, she remembers this kid, like, pulling out and (laughs) blowing his load somewhere. It's messed up, man. It's weird. It's so weird. It, it, I guess, like, part of the whole gimmick of the movie is that this is supposed to be thought-provoking to make you think Mm -hmm. about how we think about these things and contextualize them. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I also feel like we we are like provoking ideas into is like the the subject of like an adult and a child where there's a contextual reason why it's okay for them to have a certain type of relationship or mm-hmm. or whatever it, it almost feels like yeah but i feel like we still shouldn't go there it's just not healthy yeah. at a certain point <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where you have these concepts of okay well in this theoretical scenario we explore this theme this theme and this theme but then you get to the natural conclusion and it takes it too far and of course mm. the movie doesn't go there the movie just like they stay within their boundaries they say no 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 like you know we're just gonna look at these things it's purely for people like you and me in the discourse afterwards where we're exploring these things and saying should we even be talking about this is this really something that should be the one that got me was by the time we hit the end of the movie all i could think to myself was what happens if benjamin button got appendicitis and he has his appendix removed does it grow back as he ages younger? <laughs> if he gets a scar on his face, does that scar remain as he is a baby? Or does it heal by the next day? Because oh. physically he's moving backwards. I think he keeps a scar. And I, I think it's because while he's aging backwards, it's not reversing injuries. Like I, you know. And I agree. However, the entire reason that old people's skin is like saggy and flabby and stuff like that is because of exposure to sun and time and stuff like yeah. that. It doesn't just naturally become saggy and flabby. I, I, I think that's where just you're you're poking holes at the concept and the science right. behind it rather than. But I think the way the movie presents it, it's not like has like it's not like time's reversing with his body. It's more just that his body is literally somehow just going in reverse. Right, and, and that's where I, that's that. what I'm talking about though with that we take it to a natural conclusion of we we reach this point where if we follow all the steps the movie's given us, we ask these sort of questions. But the movie's not doing that. The movie stays within a very narrow window of the themes it wants to cover, and we can't blame it for not fully 
delving into these larger ideas that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's two hours and 45 minutes, and obviously the the, the concept being a natural lead-in to talk about death and how we mm-hmm. anticipate death, how we fear death, whatever it may be, like, that is definitely there, but I feel like I have seen many, many other stories that handle death in more interesting ways that are more thought-provoking yeah. than just kind of this straight... Th- and I, I think I'd be fine with the gimmick if the tone of the film was completely different. I think the overly mm. sentimental Forrest Gump tone is my biggest thing more than anything. Well, I agree, but I also think that's because it's not focused on the death. It's focused on the romance, if not equal to, then more than the death. Mm. No, I think that's that true. It's, it takes center I, stage. It does. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the problem. When I say it's a philosophical scattershot, I don't mean it in terms of it saying you know, all of these big ideas about like one or two different topics. I think that it covers the ideas of death, life, love, like hundreds of different things that could each be their own movie. It decides that it needs to take a little time and say, no, no, here's our opinions on what fatherhood means. And it's like, what's your central message movie? That's the point I don't quite get from it. I mean, if I was to pick a central message, it's probably just about cherishing all the days you have right so Mm. while you're going forward or reverse like the idea that all of it's equally important and all of it you know the the adventures he goes on i just wish i cared more about the character and actually was rooting for him to succeed in something and i think this is just one of these types of movies where i just never get that invested because it's just kind of like we're going to tell the story of this man's life from start to finish and ultimately it's all these snapshots of different times but it's never really a case of obviously i'm not saying this feels like this because it is very different tonally and it's very you know there's a lot of differences but a lot of what i don't like about this is the same that i don't like about a lot of biopics where because Mm. you're just telling the story of someone's life and you're just kind of going through the bullet points you're not necessarily you're telling a story with an arc when it's the crescendos into the right place Obviously, mm-hmm. some do. If you call, say, Oppenheimer a biopic, yeah, that actually does build itself around a very specific thing where it's you know it's the it's the build up and then the regret of something is you know there's there's mm-hmm. a a lesson that's learned by the character overall. Whereas, you know, here it's more a lot a lot more contemplative. Which again, it's fine in something that goes more full art house because you can you can treat it. First of all, I wouldn't expect a full on art house version to be two hours forty five minutes, right? But you can treat it in a way where if it is something that's a bit more ethereal, something that's a bit mm-hmm. more, like, thought-provoking because it's, like, making me consider what it's saying. Whereas with this, it is, like I said earlier on, it's still very much a conventional movie, and, you know, there's a lot of exposition, there's a lot of characters explaining things to us um, throughout. Uh, yeah. it, it feels more concerned about just trying to pull off the concept than it does about having like something really ironed out and like meaningful to to say with with what's prepared. I'm not saying it doesn't say anything because again, there is a lot of stuff in here about life, death, love, all the usual stuff. But yeah, it's all kind of I don't know conventional. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying about it being a biopic, I I agree, but I think the biggest difference, especially when we talk about something like Oppenheimer or something, is a lot of good biopics focus on someone who led a life of interesting events. 
oh, sure. like did something, went out and did something. This feels more like a biopic of a person who was just born with a severe physical deformity well, I, and I, just I, had to overcome it. I just used Oppenheimer as a recent example, but more more so because yeah. it was an example that I actually like, but that's more rare. Right. Uh uh, maybe a better example for this would be something like the theory of everything, which is a, an important person, but it's, you know... Right, someone... but that's what I'm saying, is that he went out and he did things. Like, theory of everything, Hawking went out and did incredible things, and he was also disabled. This character, Benjamin Button, he essentially has this physical impairment, but he never really did anything that interesting. He All of his actions he took were just the actions of a normal man living his life with this essentially deformity like that's it that's why yeah. i don't think it I makes mean, an I, interesting I, I still movie. think most biopics even of people who did important things still fall into this trap i of mean just, yeah probably yeah. Of, 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 of you know the structure of it the the progression not quite being there in a way because they're following someone's life i think theory of everything i think tried to do it in a way where it kind of made the wife the the protagonist and it was mm-hmm. kind of about her struggles being with him and Right. You know, so so uh, that was their way of trying to sort of like make that work, and it, it worked well enough for what it was. I, <laughs> I don't really have a desire to see it again, but uh, you know, yeah. um, that said, probably better than Benjamin Button, though, if I, if I was to mm-hmm. make a guess based on my memory. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just I have a very frustrating time with this, and it's one of those things where tonally, it doesn't take it didn't take me very long to realize I don't like this very much, mm-hmm. and. You know, I realized that within maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, and there's I a lot about there too. Yeah, and there's a lot of movie after that fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh God, that was I. I, I just I I was watching the movie. I was trying my best to engage with it on the level that I think it wanted me to engage with it. I was trying to, as they were bringing up these points. To sit there and just think about them, to try to say like, oh yeah, that is interesting what's bringing up. But like everything they brought up just felt so boilerplate. Like it felt like a high school student giving a philosophical essay or something like that, like a philosophy class or an ethics class essay. We're just like, oh yeah, no, not all sailors want to be sailors. Some of them want to be tattoo artists. I'm like, so controversial movie. Good job. You you really. People can be other things than what they were destined to be. Wow. And there's more, yeah, like, I feel like it's lacking personality in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. the, and the few times it has personality, which is, you know, there's the short story about the clockmaker at the start, um, the, like, the two cutaways throughout the movie to the guy who says he gets struck by lightning to, like, a, you know, it cuts away to, like... You this say o- two, he does it seven times. He, he lists all seven of them. Yeah, but he doesn't cut away seven times. Like, yes, he does. All seven times, it shows the clip of him being hit by the lightning bolt. Does it? I don't remember it seven. Does. Yeah, I mean, it may have been six, but I definitely counted at least six. Because I was as soon as he started, as soon as he started doing the cutaways multiple times, I'm like, well, one, two, three. Well, I only remember a couple of them. Fair That's enough. Fair. But yeah. you know, like that was at least some personality where it cut to a, an old timey bit, of, you know, mm-hmm. again the silent film era footage of like this farmer being struck by lightning, and I'm like. That's personality. Like, I feel like the rest of the movie doesn't have personality. It has Oscar bait tone. Yeah. And honestly, I, I'm I'm going to put that on Fincher because this has the same sort of tone, the same sort of visual feel as something like Zodiac, as something like Panic Room. And I think it just makes this movie more dull. I think that it, there's not enough of the things that make 
his movies interesting the tension that he works with so well the idea of oh, realism there's no tension at all in this entire no, movie not at all and not that's really. kind of what fincher really works well in so when you put him in this sentimental movie and you give him this the same kind of lifelike slash duller color palette that he usually works in it's just overall drab it's overall boring yeah yeah, like I say, just those moments of personality where there's a, maybe a little bit of a sense of humour like, could have really taken it and turned it into more of a, not a comedy, but like something that has more of a, a witty take on death. You know, it could have mm-hmm. really mixed that with what the, what it was doing with the rest of it. Um, and I'm not saying that's what they had to do to make it work for me. I'm just, that's one choice. That's one path that I could maybe see working. Yeah. Uh, as it is, I, I just, I find it really just sentimental in Hollywood and just a bit trite. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think the core concept, maybe there's a good idea in there, but I think ultimately seeing people in old age makeup or in Brad Pitt's case, CG, trying to portray different ages that they're not actually doing. the Because, int- you know, some stories have to do it a little bit because they've got like one scene set later and we have to do one yeah. person who's old or whatever. It happens every so often. And it tends, but it tends to be pretty confined to just one part of the movie, and they do the best. They maybe hide it a little bit, and you move on with your life, and it works for the purposes there. But the, but the nature of this movie is that we have to do it with so many characters, and we have to do it with the main character so specifically over long stretches of the movie that mm-hmm. if you are sensitive to how kind of inherently silly some of that is, it, it's hard to get past it. And I, I had a lot of problems with it uh, in this. Now, let me just go ahead and throw this out here. This movie won three Oscars. (laughs) The three Oscars were for Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, and Best Visual Effects. I mean, in 2008, I can see why Visual Effects won, Mm. but I'm not not enthused by it to look at it now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I just... I, I guess fundamentally, it's just not for me, but, like, all the things that make the movies that i like from finch are interesting all the mm. all the aspects that make them feel like they're in his voice none of them are here and i'm not saying he has to keep making the same type of movie by any means but i do think that it's all missing here yeah no it's never a thing where we we encourage a director to just stay in their wheelhouse and never explore i'm fine with directors exploring but you still have to know your limits. And I think going from things like seven fight club and panic room to a two hour, 46 minute long romance film, you you jumped a bit further than you actually could reach there. You needed to take a, maybe, maybe do a movie that is a tension movie that has a romance subplot first, just to see if you can handle that. Something like gone girl. That would have been fine, but instead you just leapt over here. <laughs> I don't think I would describe that as a movie that has a romance subplot. More it than... at least has a relationship subplot. I'll I mean, it, it, like... it does, but I mean, I, romance is a bit of a stretch given the context of the, the premise. I mean, That's we'll, we'll get into that when we get to Gone Girl. Yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. So I... only, only last thing I want to bring up here, and this is nothing to do with the movie, but everything uh-huh. just to do with our, our little show here is that this movie was middling at best. Uh-huh. It was a bit disappointing. And this is how we begin the second year of our show. <laughs> is this episode 53? This is episode 53. Okay, interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't like Benjamin Button. I, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a mediocre movie that, on a personal taste level, I think is... Like, I enjoy even less than that. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree. I, I, I have no banter against that. It's It's... I think that there's some nuggets buried underneath, but none of them have the ability to really shine through with the movie that we were given. Yeah. Yeah. So, sadly, uh, we're at the rating, I guess, and mm. I don't think it's going to be particularly enthusiastic. So, on you go, David. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> no. Um, Divided <God>. by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh god i don't know it's 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 definitely not a movie i ever want to go back and watch again like this is one is by far enough even if i may have gotten more out of some of the you know deeper like meanings they were trying to hide in it it's not worth two hours and 46 minutes so i i would have to say it's it's gonna be like a 4.5 for me i just i I really didn't enjoy like anything in this. And I, like I was saying briefly in there, as I came out of the movie, I was trying to play with it on the level it wanted to be. I tried to sit with it and think through the sort of philosophical implications of like, Oh, what, what does it want to say about death and life and love and all these different things. But after half an hour of sitting there thinking on it, the only thing I could think is like, boy, that last 30 minutes really didn't work for me. Boy, those last 30 minutes are making it hard to sleep right now. Well, the th- first so, 30 minutes, but the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, that too. So, yeah, it was it was just... It wasn't good. So, yeah, I'm giving it 4.5. Yeah. This is tough, because part of me thinks that sounds a bit harsh, because obviously... In a it te- does. In a technical level, it's obviously mm-hmm. fine. Uh, e- even, you know, done well at certain points. But... I was never engaged, really. I, I thought it was a slog to get through. I think it, like, what I wouldn't expect from Fincher is what feels like hollow, boring Oscar bait, but that's kind mm-hmm. of what it feels like. Uh, you know, my comparisons to Forrest Gump and Boyhood, like, combining those two things to have a baby the ages <laughs> backwards is not my idea of a good time. Nah. So... <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I think this one's actually really hard to rate. It is, yeah. So it's, it's hard to rate. I, I was I was telling Pete just before we recorded. I had no idea what my rating was going to be going into this because I, I I needed to talk through it. I needed to see how I felt about it. And I, based off of positive to negative things said, I think four point five is fair for me. But it's wherever you come down, man. There's no right or wrong answer. There's just the comment section you need to deal with. I don't care about them. <laughs> All right. Can someone can someone <laughs> download this video and just all the <laughs> exasperated sighs that we make? <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go straight for. Okay. I I have no arguments against it. I, I... There, the only thing that you said in there uh, that I would make any point against, and it's actually for the worst, is I think that this movie for 2008 was probably perfectly fine in terms of the visual effects of old Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays 
it's so standout like you can every time you see that old face map to that body you can feel that it's not supposed to be there oh yeah 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 mm. um uh, yeah i don't disagree with that uh, the effects stuck out to me as well yeah. um yeah doesn't so, make the cut though well obviously it doesn't obviously it doesn't but where doesn't it I don't think it cuts deep. Like I said, I think the fact we were wrestling with it says that there's some sort of merit to it. So it's at least cut your losses. But I I think I would make the argument for cut from the collection just in general. I don't think it quite is on the same level as other horrible movies. It's just so, like you said, Oscar bait, bland, and not what we really wanted from it. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with the cut from the collection. Uh, lower than that feels a little too harsh, but mm. damn, it like there's movies from lower tiers that I would probably watch again <laughs> over yeah. this. And I think For that's sure. I think that's something that has to be has to be stayed. So, um yeah, I actually think this is uh, I think this is the worst venture movie and I really don't like the game. Mm. Yeah. And I'm I'm not particularly enthusiastic about Fight Club. But, I mean, I'll, I'm hard to agree. I did say when I was giving seven my score that I thought there were better Fincher movies, uh-huh. but this is by far the worst. I'm comfortable saying that. The only one I haven't compared it to yet is obviously The Killer, still yet to release, and Mank. I haven't watched that one either. Yeah, I've not but... seen that, yeah. So, obviously we will. We'll have done that by the time we get to the end of this. Um, we'll be back next time with uh, Social Network. Is that next? Yep, Social yep. Network. Social Network is up next, so look forward to that. The only movie that we're not doing, other than Alien 3, is Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. One day we'll do that with the other Dragon Tattoo movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the only one we're skipping as far as uh, Fincher's filmography goes. But uh, Social Network is up next. Um, of course, this is where I should tell you about the bonus uh, shows you can go and access. Um, so over on patreon.com slash TV. At the $3 tier and up, you get access to the Criterion Cut every month, which is a show where we review movies from the Criterion Collection. And shockingly, Benjamin Button did technically get a Criterion Blu-ray. Did it? It did. I should have been wearing my my blazer. I've been doing that. <laughs> I didn't even think it would have made the cut. It, yeah, that in the game. It's like it's like the two Fincher movies that could get the rights to release. <laughs> That's so weird. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, so, and by and large, like at least to date, all the ones we've recorded, we have been very positive in all of them. Like nothing scored lower than an eight yep. <laughs> on that show. So that on is the, the show specifically, yeah. not Criterion movies, apparently. Yeah. That's the best of the best is the Criterion cut. And at the $5 and up tier is a monthly show as well, uh, where we do the opposite of that. We do the worst of the worst. We do some of the most infamous bad movies of all time. Uh, we have done a Neil Breen movie. We have done uh, Miami Connection. Some of them are so bad they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just so bad that they're the, the, the torture. But yeah. that's uh, that's the show. So there's the the two bonus shows monthly uh, that you can get over at Patreon. So go and check them out if you're interested. Mm-hmm. And that of course supports all the content. It supports the podcast. Helps keep all of it coming. Uh, and there's bonus your streams after midnight and other stuff over there too. Um, but uh, that is the collector's cut. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, and uh, does his libido go up as well when he's like going backwards? So like when he gets to like fourteen, is he? Oh just... yeah, no, he's four and he's humping everything. 